the one who judges us most finally, will be the one who loves us most fully. Frederick Buechner, the beloved writer and theologian, gets us started this morning with our reflection on scripture. The one who judges us most finely will be the one who loves us most fully. This morning's scripture, the Old Testament passage from 1st Isaiah and the gospel passage from Matthew fit neatly together and both radiate justice. I'm sorry, judgment. Both radiate judgment. In Isaiah, we hear, my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it, and dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. In Matthew, we hear, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. And then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. In both cases, the harvest did not go as planned. In Isaiah, the gardener expected the vineyard to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. During this era of first Isaiah, the 12 tribes of Israel were split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the fall of Jerusalem was triggered in part by infighting between the two kingdoms. The vineyard yielded wild grapes. God's loving cultivation of the vineyard is rejected. In Matthew, God sends his messages to receive the fruits of the harvest, but the tenants, the religious establishment, first killed the slaves, the prophets, and then they killed the son, Jesus. God's messengers are rejected. Judgment sets in. In Isaiah we hear, now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. And in Matthew we hear, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on the stone will be broken in pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. Judgment. It's a harsh, difficult message. The problem is, we do lose our way. The garden is so carefully prepared, cleared of stones, planted with choice vines, tended to with a watchtower, the environment is prepared for growth, for enriching abundant life. And yet, we lose our way. Once upon a time, there was a corporation named Enron and a big eight accounting firm named Arthur Anderson. Enron was an energy commodities and services company. And during the bull market of the 1990s, Enron traded derivative contracts for any number of commodities, electricity, coal, paper, steel, even the weather. 
And by 2001, they were executing trades worth about $2.5 billion a day. And then the boom came to an end. Competition increased, the company's profits shrank, and executives began to rely on dubious counting principles to hide the troubles. Arthur Anderson was Enron's auditor. And when the SEC began investigating Enron, some misguided employees at Anderson started shredding documents. In December 2001, Enron filed for bankruptcy. And in June of 2002, Anderson was found guilty of shredding evidence and lost its license to engage in public accounting. I worked for Anderson in the 90s. And I would interview people from time to time, people looking for jobs. And I remember interviewing someone who had applied for a position. And he asked me a question I had never gotten before. He was wondering about the long-term prospects for the organization. And I remember thinking, what a strange, actually rather uninformed question. Anderson was a model of integrity and stability. Why wouldn't it be around forever? Well, that young man turned out to be rather prescient. What I find so disturbing about this historic event is that between Enron and Anderson, 100,000 employees lost their jobs, and billions was lost in retirement and pension funds because of the decisions made by a few. We are accountable to one another. The garden is so carefully prepared, cleared of stones, planted with choice vines, tended to with a watchtower. We are given the foundation for just and right living. And yet, we lose our way. The Wagner-Stiegel Housing Act was passed into law on September 1, 1937. And this law established the U.S. Housing Authority, USHA, a loan-granting agency to build low-cost low housing around the country. And at that time, mortgage loans required a 30 to 50% down payment with terms of just five to 10 years. With USHA, down payments were reduced to 10 to 20% with terms of 20 to 30 years. It's affordable housing. More than one million African-American men and women served in the U.S. Armed Forces during World War II. Yet, on re returning from serving our country, they were denied these loans over fear that their presence in communities would devalue real estate. Thus, the term redlining, a policy of refusing to make federally insured mortgages in areas with significant African-American populations, areas coded red on maps used in determining loan worthiness. Being denied these loans reverberates into future generations. Blacks were pushed into the rental market. And as housing values increased in white neighborhoods, the wealth gap grew between whites and blacks. Wealth accrued through home equity is passed down to the next generation. 
The average black family has one-eighth the net worth of the average white family. We are accountable to one another. God is just, and we are called to live as God intends, with justice and righteousness, with compassion and love. There are consequences of living outside of God's intentions. Directly, we hurt one another. Indirectly, allowing systems of injustice, we abandon one another. In scripture, the words of judgment are harsh, meant to capture our attention, meant to draw us back into this divine love song. The passage from Isaiah opens with these words, let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. God wants us to experience the goodness of justice and righteousness, of compassion, and love. The harsh words of judgment are warning us of the consequences of living outside of God's intentions. Within our souls, we will be unsettled, lonely, empty. But judgment is not the end game. Judgment is the door opening. Judgment invites us back into a place of being right with the world. God wants us to know the peace which surpasses all understanding. The one who judges us most finally is the one who loves us most fully. Amen.